The Word of God says that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as I was praying that, what I was seeing in my spirit, <clears throat> excuse me, is God is very practical. And a lot of times we have this split in our mind of, you know, well, God's, God's way up there and He's big and He thinks big thoughts and <clears throat> spiritual things are big and they're, you know, but when it comes to the day in and day out things of life, they're really not relevant. <clears throat> and yet God's extremely relevant. He's involved in the, every cell in your body. He can see every cell in your body. The DNA that's worked in your body, He designed that. God knows everything about you to every cell structure. He, can, he could identify and name every cell in every body of every person on the face of the earth today, right now. That's how detailed His mind is. And he's, that's how involved He wants to be in your life. The Bible says that the very hairs of our head are numbered. And I don't just think that means that in God's mind He knows how many there are. I believe He has them specifically numbered. For some of us, that's easier than others. We're not going there. <clears throat> but, I mean, that's the detail of God. And see, we make the mistake of thinking that God is like us. And we didn't go on and read further in Psalm 50. But he went on and says, the mistake you've made is you think I'm just like you. And God's not just like us. But that is what our human humanity tends to do, is we tend to transfer to God what we think He's like from what we're like and what other people are like. And that's why God gives us His Word, so we can renew our mind to understand what He's like. But it's not just to learn about Him in church. He wants to be involved in your daily life. And I'm learning that more and more, that as I become more sensitive in here, God will give me a little bit of understanding about this, and I'm learning to... Oh, Lord, that's you giving me understanding about that. So I need to thank Him for it, recognize that, and then begin to act on it and apply it. I just had something today. It's like the Lord was alerting me to something that's, that's going to happen down the road that when I step back, it was obvious, but in the way I've been going about things, I'm taking one issue after another, and God's saying, wait a minute, you need to see where this is headed. You need to have some under, be prepared for something that's going to come up. And as I learn to listen to Him and act on it, then that preparation... See, God's always looking in the future. He'll deal with you now and work with you now, but if we'll follow Him, He'll prepare you. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord, but the Lord, if we've got to be willing to go where He's ordering our steps. So that means one step at a time, He'll guide you and direct you, and we need to learn to be sensitive to that. So God is involved, and I'm saying this by way of understanding, that in the process of renewing our mind, don't just look at this, well, it's something I come here on Wednesday night and learn about, get excited about, that you need to begin to apply it, especially as we go into some of the specific things that you can do, because we all need to learn to think differently, because none of us are thinking exactly the way that we need to learn to think. All right. Now, last week, we got into the study of, we're, we're, we're understanding what this learning our renewing our mind is going to accomplish, what God intends it to accomplish. And we spent some time in Ephesians chapter 1 looking at all the things that just Ephesians chapter 1 says that God has, um, that God has done for us. And we're not going to go back and look at those again, but I'm going to try to activate this thing again. And, ah, should be coming on. My goodness, we're getting light. <laughs> All right. Now, we went through a list last week of things that God has done for us. And I'm not going to go through all of these, uh, but I'll just go quickly through some. The things that God has done for us. 
we saw that He's created us as a new creature, that He's given us all spiritual blessings, that He's redeemed us, that He's lavished His grace upon us, that He's poured out His... We have an inheritance, that we've been sealed in Christ, that we've been made a child of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. We're sealed in Him by the Holy Spirit. We've obtained, again, an inheritance. uh, We've been made alive in Christ, and God is for us. And there were many other things that... We'll put these on the website tomorrow. Um, so we've, we ended with this. this is, and this is just the beginning of what... You are a child of God. God's alive in you. What we're just talking about, God is living in you and wants to direct your life so that you don't get in trouble. So that you have provision next week and next month and next year for what you're going to need. God wants to do that for us. And, you know, we get sometimes, well, God, how did God let me down? And God's in you. He's been trying to direct you. And you just, you and I just missed it. We were so busy doing it for ourselves and trying to do things ourselves, we missed His guiding and directing us. And He's so patient with us and so gracious and so long-suffering with us. So, I mean, not only that, but He's, he's empowered us with His, the very life of God. The life, you know, and understand eternal life is not just something you're going to get when you get to heaven. It's in you now. And that's really what this is all summed up in, is eternal life, which really the way the Bible applies that is life at the level where God lives it. Life, the kingdom of God is in you now. Let me ask you a question. Is God depressed? No. Is God worried? No. Is God afraid? Is God concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow? Is God is so thrilled because the stock market hit a new high? Is He just as depressed when the stock market hits a new low? The stock market doesn't affect God. Your, your 401k doesn't affect God. God's not relying on the things of this earth to provide for Himself, nor is He relying on the things of this earth to provide for you. He'll use them, but He's not relying on them. And many more. I mean, you could spend weeks just going through this, and, 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 and this is where we ended up. But then we ended up with this question. If God's so for me, if I'm a child of God, and I am a child of the King, and I have an inheritance, not just in heaven, but now, and God's Spirit, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the strength of God, the life of God, all of that is at work in me now. How many of you are enjoying it to the fullest? So we ask this question, how much of this are you experiencing? We need to be honest with ourselves. All these things we've just looked at are true if the Bible's true. Now if the Bible's not true, we need to just close tonight and go to some bar and have fun. Now don't take that out of context. No, wait, if the Bible's not true, what are we doing? Then we're what Paul said, of all men, the most to be pitied. Because we're fooling ourselves. We're all playing a game together. And the concern I have is that we can very subtly develop that attitude. Underneath and not realize we've developed that attitude. Because we come to accept... Here's the problem. We read our Bible in the morning, or whenever you read it. We come to church and whatever message we happen to hear is communicating something along the lines of what are in that left-hand column of what God's done for us. And then we leave here 
and go back out into that car, go back out into our life where we may not have a job, there may be strife in the home, there may be everything but what's on that left-hand column. And how do we reconcile that? How do we resolve that inside of us? The Bible says, I have all those things now. See, many people were raised in church which says, you get all those things when you get to heaven. But the Bible, we went through those last week. They're all in the present and past tense. They weren't the future tense. He says, we have an inheritance. Not we'll get one. We have, these are all things you have right now. If you really believe that, you couldn't sit still until you were experiencing it. You got the mail tomorrow, and there was, a, or was you got a certified letter from a law firm in Boston saying, "Please be advised that your relative so and so has died, and you have an inheritance that's been left to you. This five million dollars, would you just toss it aside and throw it in the trash? You would want to find out about this, wouldn't you? If." You believe the letter was telling you the truth. If you read it and said, isn't that nice? I wonder if that's true. And you just put it on a shelf next to your Bible with another letter that was written to you about things that you've inherited. And you said, isn't that nice? I got this letter today. You call your friends, I got a letter today saying I have an inheritance. You're excited you got a letter, you have an inheritance. But if you really believe the letter's the truth, you're not going to settle for the letter. You're going to want the money, honey. (laughs) So you'll do something about it to find out what is it I have to do to get the money in my bank. The fact that it's in probate court doesn't do me any good. I want it through probate court and in my account where I can do what I want to do with it after I've tithed. See, I I know how your mind thinks, so I knew that's what the first thing you thought of. Because I know your mind's renewed to this book. Because I know your first thought is, wow, now that I have that money, what ministry can I give that to? I know that was your first, your second thought. (laughs) Some of you it was. All right. So the point is this. But that's where we are. You've got a letter signed by God in the blood of Jesus saying this is what is yours already. And the fact that we've never worked, find, even looked at the other column and asked that question mark makes me wonder whether or not, I'm talking to all of us, whether we really believe that all that that's in the left hand, that's in the letter, that's in the will, really is true. Or we come to the place where we learn to separate the two. And what's on the left hand side is in church. And what's on the right-hand side is in the real world out there. Because on the right-hand side, you know what we're doing? I never taught this this way before. 
We're, we're trying on our own to bring those things over by working harder at it. We're trying to take and, fear and, and have these provisions for us in the right-hand column is what you're having actually experiencing in your life. We're trying to do that by our own efforts. And what we're, gonna, we're learning to do is, but what does God say? What does God say? In order to do that, you've got to understand that the Bible draws a distinction between two different things. Because until you resolve that, you will be comfortable or settle for being caught in the middle. Now, what you'll see up there is two different words, legal and vital. And I'm going to explain to you what they mean in terms of this course that we're teaching. Okay. Because these are two different sides. With God, everything's a transaction. God does His side, and we have our side. By grace you are saved through faith. And even that's a gift of God. But it's received by faith. So God gives it, but you have to receive it. Everything that we saw on the left-hand side there, God's already given. Okay. So the legal side is the side from God's side of the transaction. So the legal side is the part that God's already provided. That's that left-hand column. So the things... Remember with Abraham, Genesis 17. God said to him, As for me... God said, As for me, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, did Abraham walk away from that conversation with a child in his arms? No. But God was saying, as far as I'm concerned, see, if God doesn't give it, you don't get it. Because apart from God, you don't get anything. Because He's the only creator. So if God, God doesn't create something and give it to you, you can't create it yourself. So why are we trying so hard? That's why, this is probably why I was led to read that psalm. Everything we have, everything we have came from Him. It may have come directly from Him. The clothes that you're wearing right now, they may have come from Macy's or J.C. Penney's or Kohl's or you know, wherever you buy your clothes or somebody bought them and gave them to you. But the material of which they're made ultimately came from something God created. Man cannot create anything. All we've learned to do is to take the, the basic elements that God's created and rearrange them either chemically or physically into some other form. And even the wisdom and understanding to be able to do that came from God. So everything has come from Him. So if He doesn't initiate it and give it, there's no way we're going to get it because we can't create it ourselves. Everything we have, we have received from Him. And so from God's side, the beginning is to know whether or not He's given it. 
And so God is talking to Abraham, who not only does not have a child, he has no possibility of having a child because he's past childbearing age, she's past childbearing age, and on top of that, she's barren, she's never been able to produce a child. And so God comes to him and says, talks to him actually earlier and says that he says, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham says, well, you know, I don't have a child. How about a child? And God says, I'm going to give you one. Well, a few years later, he still doesn't have it. Abraham comes in Genesis 17 and says, as for me, from my side, I have given you, I have made you a father, not just a father, but a father of many nations. Your entire destiny all that is going to be produced through you, as far as I'm concerned, it's done. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. So, the legal side is what God has provided. It is His part. It's His part. It's the part He has to play. If He doesn't play that part, you don't have a part. The next thing is when He's done it, it's already given. It's already given. Turn with me to to Romans chapter 4. And we'll take a look at this. Because Romans 4 is the New Testament account of Abraham's story. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it more be, might be according to grace. So what he's here from God's side, grace is a gift. God has given grace. But he's saying our salvation comes through faith so that it might be according to grace. Why? Because it takes faith to receive the grace. So that the promise may be certain to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Here's where we get to. As it is written, this is God's side, the legal side, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence or sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls things that exist that never existed before, as though they do exist, who in hope against hope, believed, Abraham in hope against hope, believed, that's the faith, in order that he might become a father of many nations according to that which was spoken to him. So God said to him, I have made you a father of many nations. So from God's side, that's the legal side. That's what God has legislated. He has deemed from his side, he is done. But there's another side. Just because God's done it, God's will is that everybody be saved. The scripture says it's not his will that anyone be paid. Let me ask you a question. Was the blood of Jesus strong enough to pay for the sins of everybody? Yeah. So he's paid for everyone's salvation that has ever lived. They're all paid for. So from God's side, it's done. That's why you don't have to, oh God, I hope it's your will to save my Aunt Bessie. We know it's his will. Because he's declared it. So it's always his will to save. 
It's always his will to redeem. It's always his will to heal. Anything he's paid for already, it's already his will. That's like, you know, for your birthday, somebody giving you a gift card to, I don't know, some nice restaurant. And you go in with the gift card and order the meal and you hand the gift card and says, I hope it's your will to accept this card. It's got their name on it. it. says $75 from whatever, you know. You just hand it to them. You don't pray, oh, I hope they receive this. It's got, they, it was given because they said they want you to have it. It's already been determined. So this is God's side. But there's another side. And that's the vital side. The vi- vital comes from the word that means to be alive. Your vital signs, you go to the doctor, or especially if you go to the emergency room, what do they check? They check your vital signs. That's to tell whether you're alive. <laughs> so vital refers to what you're, is in your life, what you are experiencing. So in, this, in, in understanding this side of the transaction, I know this is a little teachy, but this is a very basic understanding of why some things haven't worked in your life. And so vital refers to what you are experiencing now. Whoops, something went off here. So let me, if I lost it, no, here it is, okay. Vital refers to what you are experiencing now. That's your side of the transaction. Okay. Now, so the problem is, how do we get what's on the legal side, which we spent last Wednesday going over, how do we get that over to the vital side? Because that's where you're missing it. That's where you need it. There's a psalm somewhere, some of you may know where it is, and this is a very loose translation, where essentially King David says, yeah, I know you're going to come through and provide for me, but now would be nice. <laughs> I know you ever feel this way? God, I know you're going to take care of me, and I know you don't live in time. I know, you know, the cattle on a thousand hill are yours. I know you see the end from the beginning. I know you know all those things, but I live now here. <laughs> and this thing says, pay and do today or they're going to come and take the car. This has a deadline on it, God. I know you don't live in deadlines, but it would be real nice. (laughs) That's the vital side. Lord, I got what you've got on this side, but I need it to come over to the where I live. And see, to the extent that you begin to experience coming from the God's side to your side, you begin to know Him at a level of reality. That's not in theory, but it's involved in your life. This is why it's so important to share testimonies with one another. It's so important to share your own testimony with yourself. Do you ever do that? I do it regularly. I share my own testimony with me. I need to hear it sometimes more than anybody else. To remind myself of things God has done for me. The things that used to be on the left side, I needed on the right that He brought over. Now, if all these things on the left-hand side are what the Bible says God has already given to us, and we've already been honest that we don't have a lot of those, at least all the time on the right-hand side, how do we get them over there? 
I've already talked about the fact that what we often try to do is in our own strength is move them over there ourselves. And one of the ways we do that is figure out, well, you know, God, if I'm not, you know, I, you know, I need the inheritance. I, I don't feel... Re- Ever get up in the morning and not feel redeemed? Am I the only one? Get up in the morning and you don't feel saved? May have had, you know, wonderful prayer night last night. Go to bed, just, oh, God's presence was just so wonderful. You, know? you get up in the morning, it's like, I don't even know if I'm alive, you know. <laughs> What did I do wrong at night? I know I didn't do anything wrong. Well, your mind was running. And what we're going to learn further in this course is that your thoughts affect your emotions. In fact, your emotions come from your thoughts. And while you're sleeping, you're having thoughts that you have no control over. It's just things operating in your mind, freewheeling from, free from wherever they may be coming from. But your emotions are affected. You ever wake up and have had a vivid dream? It could be a nightmare. And you woke up and your heart's pounding away and you, you know, you're, you're sweating and you're just, you know, you're anxious and you've got to calm. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was a dream. You've got to get your mind engaged and tell yourself that was not real. And as you begin to do that, you, but your emotions were controlled by what you thought, even though they didn't really exist. And so we wake up. So, you, so I, you know, sometimes I wake up, I don't feel redeemed. But I, that doesn't mean I'm not. But my experience of it isn't there right now. All right. So what we've tried to do is we've tried by our own thinking, by our own reasoning, by our own efforts, to somehow get that from the left-hand side to the right-hand side without going to God's Word to see what He says does that. Now remember we learned in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, three things that are in there. First thing Paul says is, do not be conformed to this world. That's kind of what the right-hand side looks like. Because that's what the world looks like. It's empty as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. But to be transformed, changed. We saw that that word transformed is a word that means to take what's already been put on the inside of you. Left-hand side. And bring it to the outside, which is the right-hand side. Because the outside, the right-hand side, is not just what you're experiencing. It's then what other people can see when they look at you. So that in the midst of a difficult and trying situation, instead of acting like the world does, running around complaining, running our mouth, oh, I'm never going to make it, life's, my life's falling apart, oh, you don't know what's doing, any, you know what's happening to me, I'm never going to, oh, the, uh, you know, I lost, this, the, the people are losing their jobs. But, you know, I was talking to a relative just the other day, well, with this sequester thing, my goodness, I may lose my job, therefore, because I may lose, I may, hasn't, because I may lose my, my job, I may not be able to this, I might lose my house, I, and he's going way down the road with this thing, and it's in panic today, over something that might happen three months from now, maybe if a bunch of things fall together in the wrong way. That's what the world does. But the problem is that's what too many Christians do because what's on the left-hand side is a theory. It's what we learn in church. But it's not real. But the Bible says that God put all of that in you when Christ came to live in you. 
when God's spirit came to live in you, all of that came inside of you and more we didn't cover. So however Jesus handled situations, that's how we're capable of handling them. That's a learning process. The disciples were a work in progress, but they kept progressing. So that's all in you now. So Paul says in Romans 12 too, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. And that word means to take what's really you on the inside and bring it to the outside, to the right-hand column, so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And he tells you how to do that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God has ordained that the method of taking what's on the left-hand side, which God has given to you, not in heaven, but deposited in you. And all, the only place it's got to go is from the inside of you to the outside of you. And the only thing that stands in its way, remember, it's the life of God. It's not a passive thing inside of you. It's not some dormant thing that's living inside of you. It's the life of God waiting to come out. Then what's holding it back? The way we think about God and about ourselves and about His Word and about each other. So the Word of God teaches us that the only way, the primary way, let's put it that way, that all of this that's on the inside is going to come to the outside. That all that's on that left-hand column, from God's side, what He's done, is going to become a reality in your life is by renewing your mind. Changing how you think. Okay. Now, in order to get this, what we're going to begin to talk about now Well, before I get into this, let me mention one more thing. Your mind controls how much of what God's put inside of you comes to the outside. Let me take that off first. Get ahead of myself here. Your mind controls how much of what God's put inside of you comes to the outside of you. We'll learn something such as this. You will never act beyond what you can see yourself doing. Don't you ever... Isn't that expression? I can't see myself doing that. Guess what? You won't. Because the process that God uses is you see something, first of all, in here, not here, but in here. Then you feel it, and then you'll act. Jesus saw... I think it's Matthew chapter 11... Jesus saw that ten. He saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. It touched him, and he prayed that the Father of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest, would send laborers out. When you came to Christ, you saw something. It may have been a little hope. It may have been a glimmer of something, but it was enough to move you from wherever you were to come to Him and call upon Him. 
And you will not act or move beyond what you can see yourself doing. And that is an expression. I I can't see myself doing that. I can't see myself doing that. The Apostle Paul came to the place where he had renewed his mind enough where he would say this, not because he learned it on some scripture card, but because it was a reality learned in his life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because how did Paul see himself? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul had changed the image of himself through changing how he thought about himself by the Scriptures. Not the written Scriptures that we have, but by the Scriptures that he wrote in some cases and by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. So the mind controls how much of that left side becomes a reality in your life. Now, let's stop there a second. Because in order to get there, you've, you've got to get a ri- rid of some wrong thinking that you have. There's nothing I find in the Word of God that's, that's what's keeping that left side from the right side is your nationality. There's nothing I've seen in the Word of God that says what's keeping all these things on the left side from the right side is your education. What I, I don't see anything on, that says in the Word of God that your, that your social status determines how much from the left-hand side can go to the right-hand side. I don't see anything in the Bible that says anything is keeping from the, the, what's on the inside from coming to the outside except you. It's up to you how much of what God's already put in you becomes a reality in your life. It's not your boss. It's not the circumstances of your life. And now I'm really going to meddle. It's not your spouse. If only my wife would do this. If only my husband would do this. It's not your parents. It's not your children. It's not the amount of money in your bank. Nothing can stop you because it's not like you've got to call it down from heaven. It's not as if you've got to earn it by something you do. It's deposited in you when you were saved. It's yours to do with as you choose. Now, we've got to be honest about that. That sounds exciting at first until we realize, oh, that takes away every excuse. Once the excuses are gone, there's only one thing left. Me. Moi. But the good news is, nobody then can stop you. It's up to you. How fast this happens, how far it happens, it's up to you. Why? Because God's done His part. He's done the legal part. How much of it becomes alive and vital and real in your life is up to you. So your mind controls how much of the legal becomes vital. You can do everything you know is right to do. You can read your Bible. You can pray. You can give and do all those things. But if you don't renew your mind... It's going to stay on the inside. One of the things, and this is one of the things we'll learn about later on. God's beginning to teach me 
different ways of reading my Bible. Now, I've been a Christian for 34 years, something like that. And I've had a routine almost every day since I got saved. Getting up in the morning, first thing I want to do is go open my Bible and get my cup of coffee and sit down and spend my time in the Bible. Sometimes I'm wide, wide awake and just absorbing it. Sometimes I'm reading my Bible. So I can finish and say, I read my Bible. I've had times when I know I needed to study in a certain area and I take scriptures and a whole bunch of scriptures and I've got collections of scriptures on almost every major issue because my instinct is once I find a scripture, put it in a scripture list. So I've got all these scriptures. It's like I've got my ammunition there. It's the old lawyer in me. I've got all the arguments there. And one of the things the Lord's been teaching me, He says, instead of taking 20 scriptures on a subject and reading them, why don't you take one and meditate on it? Instead of taking a bunch of scriptures and just scattering them around and going through them, because he said when you do that, you're not renewing your mind. So there's a difference between reading scriptures and renewing your mind. Just because you're reading scriptures doesn't mean you're renewing your mind. Just because you're praying doesn't mean they're good things to do. But they don't automatically mean you're renewing your mind. And we're not transformed by reading scriptures. Unless we're reading scriptures to renew our mind. We're not transformed by praying unless we're praying in the process of renewing our mind. We're talking to God. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. But there are different reasons to read your Bible. But change comes as we change the way this thing thinks. And this course that we're studying is designed to teach us how to unlock the legal and to bring it over as a reality in our lives. In order to do that, the first thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to locate your mind. Now, some of you say that's going to be a real project because I haven't seen it in years. Some of you didn't know yours was lost. (laughs) What I mean by locate it is understand what God gave it to you to do. Part of the problem that many of us have is because we just think or we don't think. We don't intentionally think certain things. We don't understand what our mind was given us to us to do by God. God designed you. And God gave you your mind for a purpose. Now, there's some parts of the body of Christ that to them the mind's everything. If they can't understand it, if they can't analyze it, if they can't outline it, then it's not to be trusted. But then you've got the other extreme, the charismatic fanatics. You know, we're led by the Spirit, and the, you know, I taught you about in the beginning. They read Romans 12, 2, says that we're transformed by the removing of the mind. And I've known people that before they were saved were of sound mind, and after they got saved were the biggest idiots I've ever seen. And the problem is they were trying to be a witness for Christ, and people look at them and say, Oh my goodness, if that's what God's like, I don't want to have anything to do with Him. How can He be stable? And they said, you've got to be led by the Spirit. Well, the Spirit of God 
is very orderly, very purposeful. That doesn't mean everything he's doing is according to your purpose and your order, but he's orderly and he's purposeful. God is a God of order, precise order. God's not flaky, then his church shouldn't be flaky. You know what flaky things are. They're, they're, they're things that are stuck together and come off easily and float around. And that's what a lot of Christians are like. Because they don't understand, they either think you can't trust the mind or we've got to be led by the mind. And it all comes from ignorance of what the mind was given to us to do. Mind is a very powerful tool. It's controlling you in many ca- most of our cases. God gave it to us as a very powerful tool to use and to unleash if it's submitted to God's order and design. So we're going to learn, begin to learn tonight. We won't finish it tonight. We're going to begin to learn how to locate your mind. So you can go to work tomorrow and say, I began to learn last night how to find where my mind is. And you'll have some co-workers say, well, it's about time. <laughs> All right. In order to do that, we've got to step back and we've got to recognize the Bible teaches us that there are two realms of existence. Now, what's a realm of existence? It's, it's an area, it's a, a realm is a, is a kingdom. You remember children's stories about, you know, the, 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 the King Arthur's realm or somebody's realm. It's, it's, a, it's an area of authority, an area of, of responsibility. It's a, it's a sphere of influence. And what I'm talking about will become clear as we get into this. So the Bible teaches us, and there may be more, but the Bible teaches us that there are two of them. The first one is the material realm. That's the realm that we're the most familiar with. It's made up of anything that your five senses can detect. So if you can taste it, smell it, touch it, feel it, or hear it, it's of this material realm. So this pulpit, you can hear it and I can feel it. And if I wanted to, I could taste it <laughs> and smell it. So we know that this pulpit is of this natural material realm. And most of what we're used to interacting with is in this natural material realm. So the best way to tell is if my f- one or more of my five senses can detect it or pick it up. Why? Because your five senses are part of your body. And your body is what realm? The material realm. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning. Do you ever wonder the beginning of what? So that's where right away I start getting in trouble. I start asking questions by the first three or four verse, words of the, of the Bible. In the beginning of what? Because beginning must mean something starting. And since God has no beginning and no end, it can't be God. So what is it? It's this material realm of existence. In the beginning of this material realm of existence, there was God. He was there before this realm existed. He created this realm. All of science, with all their knowledge and all their instruments and all their understanding, all that they're capable of doing, knowing anything about is this material realm. Why? Because everything they use, every instrument they use to know anything about it ultimately comes back to one or more of the five senses. 
electron microscopes, these very sophisticated telescopes that see way out there. How can ultimately, with all the technology, somewhere at the other end of this telescope, there has to be some part of it that the scientists can see or read or hear? So if you have the most sophisticated electronic scientific instruments and the scientist can't see, feel, touch, hear, taste, that instrument won't do him any good, will it? That means all that scientific information, ultimately, whether it's accurate or not, is going to have to go from that instrument through one or more of the natural senses of that scientist. And the next thing it's connected to is his brain. So he's going to take that data and run it through the computer of the brain before it's ultimately interpreted. So this natural realm exists of things that your five senses can detect. And then God said, let us make man. And he made man of the dust of the earth. What's that? That's the substance of this earth. That is this material substance. Your body is, came, the first man's body and your body comes from this material substance of this earth. That's why it says, from dust it came and to dust it returns. Why? This body can't leave this earth. Why? Because it's of the realm of this earth. It's why it says, was it? 1 Corinthians 15 or whatever it talks, or maybe it's Romans. It talks about this mortal must put on immortal. This natural body can't get into heaven because heaven's not of this realm. So in order to get into the other realm, you've got to leave the earth suit here because that's what this is. This is an earth suit. On the other hand, the only way you can function in this realm is to have one of these. That's why the Word had to take on flesh and dwell among us. God had to take on an earth suit in order to function among us because God's not of this realm. He's of the other realm we'll talk about in a minute. This room is full of angels right now. But they can't physically accomplish anything here. Why? Because they're not wearing a suit of the material realm. But I can go up to one of you or one of you can come up to me and pick me up and move me somewhere. But an angel can't do that unless something supernatural happens. But in the natural, normal course of events, an angel can't do that because there's no physical contact with you. I'm going to do something. See, I've got an angel, just like you do. The Bible says we all have at least one. Some of us have really tested ours. I may have hit him. I may not. Why don't I know? I can't tell whether I hit him by how it felt. 
because my senses can only detect something that's of this realm. So my physical senses cannot detect something that's of that other realm unless something supernatural happens. So when we talk about the supernatural, in many cases we're talking about some kind of change that allows one of these realms to make contact with another realm. But aside from that, you can't make a contact with them. You can't see them. You can't touch them. You can't taste them, hear them, or whichever one I'm leaving out. Because it, that's, that's of this only, this, these physical senses are only designed to detect something else of this physical realm. You follow me so far? Okay. So the next thing is about this material realm is that it's temporary. It had a beginning and it will have an end when the Bible says it's all going to get closed up and wrapped up. So it's temporary. Another thing about it, it's always changing. If you don't believe that, look in a mirror and then pick up an old picture of yourself. And you'll notice your body is changing. And the way it's changing is it's deteriorating, not improving. It's deteriorating, not improving. Medical science tells us that a human body begins to the process of death right after birth. Isn't that exciting? Why? Because this realm is decaying. It cannot sustain because it, it doesn't produce life. It's birth and then it starts decaying. That's why if you notice, things that are of the material realm left alone will deteriorate. Just let your yard go for a while. Just let your house go for a while. It will start, things, metal will start rusting. Why? Because this earth is under a curse. Okay. Next thing about it. This realm is less real than the other realm we're going to talk about. Why is it less real? Because it had a beginning and has an end. All right, let's quickly go through the next realm, the other realm, which is the spirit realm. Now, you'll notice these correspond to the left-hand column of what God's done for you and the right-hand column of the vital of what we want in our lives. So the left-hand column is the spiritual column because that's where God's already done it. So let's begin to talk about that. Okay, this is just the opposite. The spirit realm is something that exists that your five senses can't detect. Now, unicorns you can't detect, but they don't exist. So it has to be exist, and you can't detect it. So here's the, here's, the, here's the fallacy that a lot of our science has adopted today. Now, it didn't used to be this way, that if we can't see it, tell it, taste it, in other words, if our instruments can't detect it, it doesn't exist. So therefore, God doesn't exist, heaven doesn't exist, hell doesn't, hell doesn't exist, because we can't detect it with our instruments. The incredible arrogance of that. The incredible arrogance by people who believe that they're so intelligent that with their, in, in, with their finite, tiny little brain, 
compared to God's. They can determine everything that's real. I, 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 I love it when somebody says, God doesn't exist. Because my first question is, how do you prove a negative? It's very hard to prove out of all of reality, of all of time, that something's never existed. Just because I can't detect it? When our kids were small, we had a, uh, we had a number of pets, but one of the pets we got was a hamster. And I felt sorry for it because it was in this glass thing. And so I went to the pet store and they had this plastic ball you could get. So I bought it, brought it home, and you take a little section of it off. Some of you know what I mean. And you put the hamster in it. Then you put, so, and then you put the hamster down on the, on the rug. We had a, it was old, it was long years ago. We had, had a shag rug. Some of you can remember those. And this hamster now thought he was free. It's all free. He's getting to run all over the house because he thinks he's free. And in his little brain, he is free because he's going places he's never been before. He thinks he's touching the rug. Now, I don't know if he is or not, but this, this image came to me. And that's what man's like trying to understand all of the creation that God's made. Just because we can think, we think we're running around free. He thinks he got in the ball because he got free. I put him in there. And I bought the ball. And I bought the hamster. (laughs) And he thinks he's free. But when all you do is go by what this natural material realm tells you, you become, the Bible calls you a fool. Let's move on. The spirit realm is where God exists. The spirit realm has no beginning and no end. It is eternal. It never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because it doesn't exist in time. It just is, and that's hard for our minds to grasp. It never changes, and the last thing it is, it is more, it is, it is reality. This realm, this material realm, is a reflection of reality. That's the reality. And I'll close with this story out of a, out of a, um, of a short story by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. And I love this story. I'll close this down, guys. Um, I love this story because you know, reading this, just, the story is just a, is an allegory. But it's about this man who oh, gets on a bus ride, and the bus ride is to take him basically from the outskirts of hell to the outskirts of heaven. And as he gets off this bus in heaven, there's his beautiful green field out there. And at the far distance, he can see a city. And he just, there's, an, there's guys that come up to him. Again, this is just a story. And there's one point I want to get to because it stuck with me about this point of that, that the, super, the, the spirit is more real than the material is he stepped off the bus with this guy and he's walking along towards this city and he's drawing and he's getting more excited and all of a sudden he looks down and the blades of grass are sticking through his foot and he didn't feel them. And he's shocked and he steps back 
And he says to the guide, what is that? He says, oh, the grass is more real than your foot. Now down here, if you step on the grass, your foot has more density than the grass and it bends it down. But the spirit realm is more... Why do you think Jesus was able to walk through walls? Because the walls were of this natural material realm. They could not stop his spiritual body because his spiritual body was more real than this natural material realm. Now I spent the time on this because we spend all of our time washing, brushing, combing, exercising, resting, feeding, resting, feeding, feeding, (laughs) living in, talking to, reacting to things that are of this material realm to the extent that it is so real to us that we assume it's more real than that other realm. The reality is that realm is infinitely more real than this. And as we begin to renew our mind to that, the things of that spirit realm become more real to us and then the things of this realm don't mean as much to us. They're easier to let go. And as you begin to become focused and meditate on that realm and on the God of that realm and the love of that realm, the Bible says that it drives out all fear. Because when that realm becomes more real to you than this realm you have no fear of death anymore because all death is is leaving this suit behind and stepping into the fullness of that realm of which you already are a part. So next week we're going to pick up here and begin to take that understanding and help you find out where your mind fits into all this.